Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist. I'm a sports nutritionist. I've been a university professor since about the turn of the century. Uh, I'm going to be doing this solo, actually, today in sort of a special episode because this past weekend, we went to New York City to learn a little bit about the culinary side and the food chemical side, if you will, of coffee and that sort of thing. So we have a coffee-themed episode. We're going to talk about health. We're going to talk about making the perfect cup of coffee, some of the new um, tech that's coming down the line. We'll talk about other foods that have beneficial substances in them that are similar uh, to coffee, like polyphenols and things like that, antioxidant-type substances that might help you recover from your lifting uh, and that sort of thing. So if you really don't like coffee, you could tune in for a little bit of the very original or uh, early stuff here in the episode. And then uh, after break, when we get to the topic of the day, we'll actually go out onto the floor uh, of a trade day at a coffee event. It was the New York Coffee Festival. Uh, and we'll learn of some of the stuff uh, that we were exposed to. Uh, and we'll go from there. So let's start with a little bit of the science news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, these are coffee-related. This first one is brand new. I, it's literally uh, less than a month old. It's called The Role of Polyphenols in Modern Nutrition. This is by Williamson, and it ap- appeared in Nutrition Bulletin. Uh, it starts off by saying polyphenols are found in plant-based foods and beverages, notably apples, berries, citrus fruits, plums, broccoli, cocoa, tea, and coffee. So there's a lot of uh, correlational sort of epidemiological evidence that diets rich in these sorts of polyphenols um, can protect you against things like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Um, So this paper goes on to say the absorption and the metabolism of these compounds has been pretty well described. Um, Interestingly, this says the gut microbiota play a critical role in the absorption. Um, So it says taking into consideration the parent compounds and the metabolites from colon bacteria catabolism or breakdown of these nutrients, more than 80% of a dose can be absorbed and ultimately excreted in the urine. I find that interesting because I've seen a lot of papers that there are many uh, healthy phytochemicals that aren't very bioavailable. So uh, it talks about how common polyphenols in the diet can be flavanols like you see in Uh, cocoa and tea, even apples. Uh, There are flavanones, like you see in citrus fruits. Uh, And then there are, honestly, there are many compounds in coffee. Uh, One of the examples here in coffee, hydroxycinnamates. So think uh, the root word cinnamon there. Um, There's flavanols. So if you like tea, for example, classic, uh, that sort of thing. So it does talk about, there's been some intervention studies and that sort of thing. But uh, it gives some specific health examples that I thought you might find interesting. For example, flavanols decrease uh, endothelial dysfunction. 
So as far as, uh, think blood flow and some of the popularity of the NO supplements and products that are on the market. Um, it, you know, lower blood pressure, for example, um, could also have beneficial effects on serum cholesterol and even modulate energy metabolism. Uh, I was just looking at a paper with some students just this past week. Uh, and interestingly, things like coffee, they tend to increase adrenaline or epinephrine in the body. That's one of my interests in I'm going to share a little bit of that, actually. Um, but then there have been studies like the famous green tea study that was done years ago now showed an increase in resting metabolic rate. And if you're not familiar, that could be 65% of all the calories you burn every day is your resting metabolism, right? Because it's always running. You're always warmer than your, uh, like the, de the desk in front of you if you're sitting down. So you get the idea. Um, but EGCG and green tea it seemed to raise noradrenaline or norepinephrine. So you might actually get different fight or flight or stimulant responses to some of these different phytochemicals. Uh, so interesting stuff. Um, and again, a lot of the focus with coffee and tea is that they can both reduce the risk of type two diabetes, um, largely through the polyphenol content. So it says, despite extensive research, again, in this Williamson paper, the exact mechanisms um, are still being looked at, but it says consumption of polyphenols as healthy dietary components is consistent with the advice that we probably heard since we were kids uh, to eat at least five or more portions of fruit and vegetables per day. So that's one of the things that I get on my soapbox about like a high protein diet doesn't have to be a low fruit and vegetable diet. Uh, I think sometimes when you start to get uh, quote unquote educated by certain health professionals. Sometimes it might be a dietitian or a nurse and they'll say, oh, you're on a high protein diet. You have to be careful. Some of them assume you're on a Big Mac diet, but if you've been in the strength sports any amount of time, you know, a high protein diet could be two chicken breasts and then the rest of your plate is broccoli, for example. Uh, or, you know, in the case of today's episode, you know, washing down some coffee, some food with your coffee. So anyway, um, it says, it is currently difficult to recommend what dose per se of specific polyphenols should be consumed to get maximum benefit. And I think, unfortunately, this is one of the things that happens in a lot of nutrition classes is we, we tend to set them up based on like uh, macronutrients, you know, so we'll do carbohydrates, then fats, then proteins, then we'll do micronutrients like vitamins, minerals. Uh, we usually sort of wind down a semester with water. Uh, and then we get into special topics and we don't always give enough time to these polyphenol rich foods, right? A lot of these plant chemicals, P-H-Y-T-O, phytochemicals. Uh, but again, to Williamson's point, it's hard to pin down exactly what dose of each of these you should be consuming. There are studies and there is some research on this, but um, not only that, but of course there are hundreds or thousands of these things. So it's not like you can just wade through a dozen vitamins or minerals there are so many of these different things. So, and again, if you like things like coffee, tea, uh, cocoa, things like that, you're getting some of these methylxanthines and these polyphenols. So you, bo you both get a stimulant effect for your exercise, but you also get the antioxidant type health benefits and, and that sort of thing. So the role of polyphenols in modern nutrition was the title of that one. I've got one more. Um, also coffee related, and this one caught my eye. This is just from a few months ago, but it's a Korean paper, Korean Journal of Family Medicine. The association of coffee consumption with sarcopenia, uh, in this case in Korean elderly men. So 
if you're not familiar with sarcopenia, it's that muscle loss that occurs with aging, right? And what these guys did, Chung and colleagues, is they recruited almost 1,800 men who were at least 60 years of age. Um, they identified them as having sarcopenia. Let's see, if their appendicular skeletal muscle mass, so think about like limbs, um, divided by their height squared was less than two standard deviations below the gender specific mean. So they're trying to not get like the bottom 1%, but um, they are looking for guys that have a, a certain level of muscle mass. And then they're going to try to correlate that with daily coffee consumption. So they categorize this as less than a cup of coffee per day, uh, one cup per day, two cups per day, and then greater than or equal to three cups per day. Now, bear with me. This is interesting. Um, it says, compared to the group of individuals who drank less than one cup of coffee per day, people who consumed at least three cups uh, showed significantly decreased sarcopenia. So that's very interesting. So less muscle loss due to age. Now, again, these guys were uh, at least 60 years of age. So they're really trying to get at the idea that the age is part of the uh, muscle loss. Uh, this could be different, for example, from other types of atrophy, uh, the cachexia of different diseases and things like that. But So, um, yeah, the guys who got m equal to or more than three cups of coffee per day had significantly depressed sarcopenia or muscle loss. Uh, it looks like they had about half, maybe a little less than half of the risk of getting sarcopenia. Um, it says that they note though that the decrease in muscle loss was not significant with daily coffee consumption that was just one to two cups so it had to be with three or more um, and then they go on to say that in uh, regression models there were significant associations between sarcopenia and coffee consumption so again sort of inverse relationship there so they conclude uh, and again this is not causal right it's just epidemiology it's just suggestive and it's showing some relationships here but that consuming at least three cups of coffee per day was associated with lower prevalence of sarcopenia in elderly guys. So interesting stuff. Not much I usually see about coffee is directly related to muscle mass like that. So um, makes me glad in my late 40s that I'm sitting here slurping on a cup of coffee while I, uh, I talk to you. So last up in the uh, coffee and sports nutrition sorts of news, uh, I wanted to share a little bit of some of the data that we've been analyzing in our own lab. So we haven't presented this yet. I can't divulge everything, but it's very interesting stuff. I've been showing some pictures on Instagram of the, the serum samples and uh, some of the assays we're doing and that sort of thing. And um, not to get ahead of myself, but uh, bumped into some Iron Radio listeners when we were in New York and we were sort of geeking out looking at some of this. But when you look at the effect of epinephrine, uh, I'm focusing mostly on that. We we took a cursory look at norepi data. Uh, what we did was we gave people two packs of Via, Starbucks Via instant coffee. It's very strong. Usual instant coffee has about 70 milligrams or so of, of uh, caffeine uh, in a serving. Via has 160. So a lot. It's a lot of caffeine. And you really need to approach a dose that's about 5 milligrams per kg of your body weight in order to get an ergogenic effect according to the literature. So two packets, um, 
we gave a standard two packets. So it was a relatively higher dose for smaller people, and it was a little bit lesser dose for big people, but we've talked about this on Iron Radio before. Even some of my friends that are bigger power lifters, uh, like Phil, weighs about 280 uh, when he's bigger and he's not dieting, and two packets lit him up. So it's a good, strong, whopping dose. It's enough to affect you about 60 minutes after you ingest it. It's going to be sort of peaking in, in your performance effects. Anyway, so we finally got to look at some of these data, and it's a very laborious process to run an ELISA kit uh, on these serum samples. So basically, we're looking at sort of group A and group B. So group A, for example, will say got the real coffee, and group B got an identical placebo. That's another nice thing about these instant coffees is you can you can get identical placebos, and then the intervention one, the real coffee, uh, not only is it strong, but you can dose it very precisely. They're plus or minus about three milligrams of caffeine. So they're very, very tight, and brewed coffee will not do that for you. It's, it's all over the place when you try to get a dose of caffeine. Now, coffee's not just liquid caffeine. There's chlorogenic acid and caffeic acid and a lot of these other things. Um, so I actually like the idea of coffee as opposed to just a caffeine pill, uh, in part because of some of the the health effects that we were just discussing in other research, right? Reduced type 2 diabetes and things like that. In fact, I think if you lived on just caffeine pills or very harsh pre-workouts a lot, uh, you would actually mess up. You would interfere with your carbohydrate metabolism. And coffee over time actually does quite the op opposite because of some of these phytochemicals. Uh, but I digress. We took a look at the adrenaline responses uh, in both caffeine habituated and non-habituated people because in the past we've shown significant uh, enhancements of performance in both kinds. It's not like if you're habituated you don't get a boost. It's not quite as high but it's still reliable. It's still sign uh, statistically significant. So we, did, we did, took uh, blood samples before they had their cup of coffee. We gave them 30 minutes to drink down the coffee and then about an hour later we took another blood sample. Uh, and Indeed, the decaf people kind of flatlined. They didn't get much of an effect in their epinephrine response. And the real coffee people, they were getting a mild response. But this is important. It wasn't a solid, reliable effect. It was small enough or, and or inconsistent enough that it wasn't statistically significant. So coffee by itself quantitatively looks like it's bumping up adrenaline a little. But it, it's, it's not reliable. It's, it's not significant yet. However, then we had them do a series of light explosive um, benching with 50% loads. So it was sort of a max dynamic effort, right? It, they moved the bar as hard and as fast as they could, but it wasn't real heavy. So 50% of their one rep max. We did the same thing with about three sets of squatting. And then we had them do some um, vertical jumps off of a force plate. So it's by no means exhaustive exercise. It was a maximum dynamic kind of setup. And this is quite different from previous research from very famous caffeine researchers like Terry Graham. Um, they would look at the adrenaline response or the noradrenaline response to coffee versus caffeine and that sort of thing. But they would use exhaustive aerobic type exercise. And, you know, I'm just not that interested in that on the same level that I am uh, with lifting. I want to know what happens um, as a sort of a mechanism uh, between drinking the coffee and why we're moving that bar 10 or 12% faster, let's say. So long story short, the coffee by itself didn't have a, a, a strongly significant effect 
but you stack in the light explosive exercise and we started to see statistical trends. So um, the adrenaline in the coffee drinkers, again, they had the, the two packs of Via Instant Coffee about an hour before go time. Um, it really started to rise. I've got the graph here in front of me and it, you can really see the line start to pull away from the decaf group. Um, both groups bumped up their adrenaline a little bit through this uh, light explosive series of, of lifts, um, but the decaf was very little and you can really see the difference. Uh, as a percentage, if we were to just look at percent change and analyze it that way, uh, the decaf guys, by the end of this light explosive workout, it probably only took about a half an hour total, they had like a 50% jump in epinephrine over baseline, um, whereas the uh, coffee drinkers had, oh gosh, I, I can't give you exact numbers, but somewhere around five times the effect. So a little bit more than five times the effect. So very interesting stuff that stacking uh, the nutrition intervention, in this case it was coffee, with exercise uh, had that sort of synergy, right? The, the coffee alone won't do a whole lot. The exercise alone didn't do a whole lot to adrenaline, but stacking coffee with the dynamic explosive type lifts, now we're talking, now things are starting to happen. So I think that's very interesting. It's not been looked at before in the literature. We're probably gonna try to present that. Um, we're actually looking at a conference in Dublin, Ireland uh, next year. So I, I can fill in people if you have questions uh, in the future. There's lots of things you have to control for when you do studies like that. But uh, hormone analysis, if you don't just ship it out to a commercial lab and you do it all yourself like we did, you're pipetting for an entire weekend and um, very laborious, but it's cool stuff. So yeah, sports nutrition for the win in this case, I think. You've got the nutrition having a certain effect and the exercise having a certain effect, but when you stack them together properly, you know, the right dose of coffee and the timing and everything I, I mentioned, um, yeah, you're definitely getting some adrenaline surge uh, on some level. Now, having said that, we're also looking, to, we're correlating this. Since we have performance data, uh, very, very preliminary stuff. I'm not gonna give you any numbers, but uh, there, there looked like there was a correlation between the amount of adrenaline that you're producing and how fast you're moving that bar, the bar velocity, when we use the ballistic measurement system. It's just a piece of lab equipment. So cool, cool stuff as far as um, sports nutrition and use of coffee, specifically in non-fatiguing dynamic kinds of lifts. All right, enough for that part of the science, the physiology. We're going to go to break. Again, it's going to be a little bit briefer and special episode. When we come back, we're going to head to New York, and I'll sort of wade through um, some of the things that we saw. So you can share in it a little bit, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world 
and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Over the past several years, there have been hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. Iron Radio is here for you. But as with any public radio-type format, the show is listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you become a supporting member, keeping your weekly dose of education, experts, and gym talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page. Or... Click the Donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brotherhood and Sisterhood. Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everyone, we're back. 
So we're going to talk about the coffee festival a little bit and some of the things uh, that we learned. A lot of this is more about making a better cup of coffee or different ways to make coffee or like what's coming down the pike. If you are a coffee lover and you like to have it before you lift, uh, as I sure do, and many of our listeners, then this might be interesting for you. Uh, after we made our way down to the Metro Pavilion, right there in downtown New York City, um, we headed up to the um, the show floor, I guess. There were three different uh, floors uh, there. And uh, one of the first things that I noticed were these uh, different French presses. If you're not familiar with French press coffee, um, the idea essentially is that there is usually a metal filter. Sometimes there's up to four of these, as I understand it. And it allows you to um, develop a better crema, some of the, the lipids in the top of the coffee and that sort of stuff. So you, uh, you essentially put the coffee grinds in, you put the hot water in. A lot of these different methods that I'm going to talk about, they allow a, a more of a full steeping of all the grounds of coffee as opposed to a, a drip pot where you might get, I mean, the coffee grounds all get wet, but you might not get equal saturation of all of the, the ground coffee when you're actually making your pot. So we want to try to extract as much of the good stuff as possible, all those phytochemicals uh, into our cup of coffee. So what surprised me about the French presses, I guess, and this is not new technology. In fact, even the vacuum type brewing, the technology was really as they add halogen bulbs and do all this cool and weird stuff to make the coffee boil. Um, I was putting some pictures on Instagram, uh, like that iron radio and, I, me personally have Instagram pages now, just Lonnie Lowry if you want to see some of these pictures. But um, but the technology of vacuum brewing and French pressing, that kind of stuff is, is not new. Uh, but anyway, so some of these French presses, they went from very, very small, uh, less than three cups in size, all the way to just enormous. Uh, so I think it, it really depends. I actually asked some of the people at the booths, what size do you think is ideal uh, for making like the perfect drinkable amount of coffee with the best flavor and the best extraction and um at one of the booths they actually suggested that something like the uh, four to six cup range may be best but they're sort of nitpicking with that so uh let's see we saw some very very cool coffee art um but uh, yeah the um the Bodum company, they are actually selling these vacuum brewers, which are very interesting. I might even put a video on our Facebook page about how some of this stuff is done. But essentially, I think it's it's what we what we saw both the Starbucks Special Reserve booth and the uh, the Bodum booth and some of these other vacuum type setups where you boil water in one pot. Uh, the heat, I mean, think about, gosh, if you're not familiar with your chemistry, like Charles Law and Boyle's Law, you're dealing with temperatures and pressures and things like that. Um, but if you boil water in the lower pot, it will rise up into an upper one. And then you literally just dump all the grinds in the top. It steeps almost like tea. And then as it cools, it sinks back down into the lower pot, but through a filter. So you end up with coffee and not the grounds. So wild stuff and again i'm putting some pictures online if you're not into all of the labor that goes into these very cool chemistry set looking arrangements uh, a chemex is very cool it's sort of, sort of imagine an hourglass and again the idea is it's sort of a pour over 
but it allows for a lot of saturation of the grounds uh, in the top part of the hourglass. And then it, it's sort of a drip method and it drips through. So you put the hot water, you'd have to nuke some hot water or on the stovetop and you pour the hot water in and it sort of steeps and slowly drips through. Uh, and it's about to, it, they say it, it takes about the same amount of time as using a traditional drip coffee pot. But uh, Chemex, uh, C-H-E-M-E-X, they have different sizes as well. And I think that's gonna be on my Christmas list so I could start to do some of these things. Um, there was cold brew coffee there. Uh, and the idea there is that by using non-boiling water, uh, it interacts with the coffee grounds in different ways. It extracts different lipids and phytochemicals and you end up with um, a little bit different cup of coffee. Uh, you'd have to try it yourself to see how much different it tastes. Uh, and I haven't seen anything about the the health effects of cold brew coffee, right, versus hot brew. But I always think of cold brew coffee sort of along the lines of sometimes I'll make my instant oatmeal. Um, I'll put a protein drink on instant oatmeal. And because it's so shredded, it absorbs it. And literally within a couple of hours, it's sort of it's as if it's cooked, right? And that's the idea. Or like you soak beans overnight. You can boil beans or you can just soak them overnight, that kind of idea. Cold brew coffee is sort of like that. It's a slower process and it doesn't involve the hotter temperatures, which could solubilize the different things in the coffee at different rates. So, uh, so we got that. We got French press. We've got vacuum kinds of coffee pot. We got cold brew stuff. Uh, Starbucks has this uh, nitro brew. Uh, very, very smooth coffee. Now, I am certainly no food technologist and expert on a lot of this stuff, but my understanding is it's infused with nitrogen, so almost like Guinness from a tap. And it's very, very creamy. It's very smooth. I suppose from our perspective, like as fitness people, you wouldn't feel the need to put quite as much sugar and, and that kind of stuff in it. Also, it's supposed to have around 30% more caffeine. I'm not sure how that works. I'm going to have to look into that myself. If that's true, that'd be very interesting because just like those packets of Via Instant Coffee that I was using in my lab, this would be a way to really jack up the amount of, uh, you know, the, the stimulant that gives you a lot of the alertness and focus and ex explosivity and maybe even the, um, the adrenaline right, that I was talking about earlier. So um, cold brew, dark roast, very naturally sweet, very, very smooth. Uh, so nitro brewed coffee, again, it's it's not that new and trendy, but I, I think it's still a trend that's catching on. Worth checking out if you like your coffee, uh, especially because, like I said, you could drink this stuff. I, I certainly like it just straight. It's very, very creamy, and it, it looks almost like you're pouring a Guinness. Uh, so it's a it, cool way to get your pre-workout caffeine, um, at least purportedly higher in caffeine, right? And then you wouldn't have to put a bunch of artificial sweeteners or sugar or anything like that. Now, a lot of you guys might just like your black coffee. I know Fortress and I, we used to just go get black coffee. We'd eat like a cheeseburger, cheap little cheeseburger at McDonald's, slam a big black coffee, and then just try to go tear it up in the gym. And it was very utilitarian like that. This is more of sort of that delicious culinary experience uh, if you're looking for that as well. So, so many different kinds of coffee coming down the pike. Oh, one final note about cold brew, this nitro coffee. Um, I doubt anyone would ask this, but don't think because it's nitrogenated that somehow it's like an amino acid, right? Of course, that's what makes amino acids and proteins different 
from carbs and fats is the, the presence of nitrogen. This is just nitrogen. So I, I don't have any indication this would be anabolic in any way or something like that. So it's just the, the uh, nitrogen-infused cold brew stuff. But again, dark brew uh, and reportedly higher in caffeine. Which brings us to the final topic. Now, I know a lot of lifters don't think about alcohol and that sort of thing when they think about their coffee and whatnot. But there was a group, um, Mr. Black. It's an Australian group, and they've got this coffee liqueur, but it's not what you might think, some kind of syrupy, cheap kind of stuff. My understanding is it's grain spirits and Arabica coffee beans. Uh, It's not the kind of stuff I would have before I went to the gym for sure, but I know some of... Our listeners, like I know, for example, even when Phil and I will do little seminars and stuff like that, sometimes we'll sit around and have a, you know, have a, a glass of something, brown liquor of some kind, and, and just kind of talk shop and that sort of thing. So if you want to take your coffee into the evening hours, um, this Mr. Black stuff also looked very interesting. There was sort of on the coffee floor there in the corner, there's live music playing, and there's, you know, they're serving different coffee uh, beverages and that sort of stuff. So... Uh, interesting stuff, uh, maybe another way. I don't know what it would do to all the antioxidants and what the alcohol would do to some of the, um, you know, I, I don't really care for the word phytonutrient as much because they're not nutrients in that your body must have them, you know, some of these phytochemicals, but they could have different benefits to your health. They affect enzyme activity and hormones and things like that. I'm not sure what alcohol would do to some of those things, but if you want to have the real coffee, again, you know, into the relaxation phase after the gym, uh, I think that's sort of interesting if you're going to go out and hang out with some buddies and stuff. This Mr. Black's coffee was also something that we saw that was pretty cool. So thank you for indulging me. Remember, Iron Radio is about nutrition and sports nutrition and things like that. It's not always going to be just about um, you know uh, bench press techniques and that sort of thing. We certainly do that as well. Uh, but I'm a nutritionist, so I'm interested in this sort of thing. And we're actually working on a few research and development kinds of things uh, down the pike where, you know, I was joking about the uh, nitrogenated coffee wouldn't have protein synthesis effects, but we're actually toying with a couple of coffees that may have mild anabolic qualities. So I'm excited to tell people about that down the road, but that's not why we do Iron Radio. Um, Let me finish with this, however. Uh, We're in the middle of our fall fun drive. If you like the the gym talk, the nutrition, sports-related nutrition information, always from a lifter's perspective, that's what we do. Um, Thank you for considering being a supporting member or a one-time donor uh, in the mid-show ad. There's actually some discussion about that. We're going to try to send out some gifts who be people who are significant one-time donors or they become a supporting member uh, between now and um, January, essentially, but the end of the holiday season sort of thing. It's time for our annual funds drive. I did want to say thanks to some of the people who just very recently stepped up. You know who you are, Matthew, Austin, Chris, uh stefan or steven uh, thank you 50 times uh, you keep the lights on you keep iron radio coming with its sort of you know science-based and evidence-based uh, message when it comes to things like sports nutrition for lifters uh, and you know other aspects like that the kind of guests that we have from professors to uh, show promoters to people from different lifting organizations the athletes themselves of course uh the in the co-hosts usually try to bring different perspective because we all do different things to any one of these topics hopefully that are meaningful to you as listeners so uh, thanks to those people i'll wrap it up there as i get back to my cafe grumpy it's one of the kinds of coffee 
companies that I saw, the one of the blends that I grabbed there. Again, none of this is commercial. It's not why I'm doing this. I'm just trying to, it's hard to talk about any of these new developments without mentioning various brand names. We're not affiliated with any of these guys. Uh, but we will uh, catch up with you next week with a full-length episode. See you then. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.